0: Welcome to the Major Gifts Fundraiser Podcast with Clark Van Deventer. I'm Monica and we're excited to have the opportunity to help you raise more money for your nonprofit than you ever thought possible by developing deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors. This podcast is designed to get you thinking, to challenge you, to inspire you, and to give you some practical tools that you can use right now in your work as a fundraiser. If you hear something that you'd like to learn more about, or if Clark mentions a resource you'd like to get your hands on, just email me. My email address is monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. That's monica, M-O-N-I-C-A at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. We offer a variety of services to nonprofits and development professionals, from DIY, that's do-it-yourself, to D-W-Y, done with you, to D-F-Y, that's done for you. To learn more, just email me at Monica at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. All right, without further ado, here's
1: Clark. Buenos dias, mis amigos. Hey, Clark Van Dieventer here from Major Gifts Fundraiser. Hope that you are having a great day. All right. Hey, I want to serve you. Okay, put yourself in front of me. I come to my office every day. And it's like, who can I serve? So, if you want me to serve you, get in front of me. Email me Clark at That's Clark at Okay, I want to talk to you today about a psychological term we call consistency theory. Here's how it works: consistency theory. Our brain works very hard to align expectation and reality. All right. So, good experiences become self-fulfilling prophecies. All right. If I think I'm going to have a good time, I have a good time. All right. Bad experiences become self-fulfilling prophecies. Right. If I think I'm going to have a bad time, I have a bad time because our brain works very hard to align these two things, expectation and reality. All right. So I often ask this question of, of nonprofit leaders. I'll say, are your donors happy with you? Do you think your donors are happy with you? And People usually kind of, yeah, I think so, like generally, and I think they're right, right? And I think that our donors are generally happy of us, happy with us, because they generally have low expectations, right? Now, sure, uh, we have donors occasionally who get unreasonable expectations. I've worked with some donors that gave large gifts and ended up having unreasonable expectations. Some of that was the fault of the organization for um, the way gifts were presented and the way asks were made and the way relationships developed. But for the most part, our donors generally have pretty low expectations in terms of what they expect when they give a gift to our organization. So because they have low expectations, they're generally happy. It gives us a huge opportunity, right? It gives us a huge opportunity to... To really wow the donor because their expectations are low, we can, we can go big in our thanks and stewardship, right? We want to give donors an unbelievable giving experience with our organization, right? If a donor gives $1,000, we want them to feel like they got $10,000 worth of thanks, all right? So we have that opportunity. We have that opportunity because our donors' expectations are generally low to really wow them in the thank you process. All right. What happens though, when a donor is underwhelmed, when the giving experience they have with an organization is meh? (laughs) All right. What happens then? The brain has to do one of two things. And this does happen with larger gifts, right? So your your average donor who's giving a hundred dollars a year, they're giving a thousand dollars a year without this isn't a stop and think gift, right? This is just their ongoing support of the organization. They're giving thousand dollars a year, say. they they those donors are generally happy. They generally have low expectations. But what happens when that donor upgrades from thousand dollars a year? What happens when they upgrade? They give ten thousand dollars? Maybe they're they're now expecting more, right? Like they just gave a bigger gift than they've ever given before. They're expecting something different. All right. What happens when the the difference between expectation and reality is too great? All right. So just think about this. What I'm doing with my hands right now, even though you can't see it, I've got my my two hands kind of moving together, right? And they're generally on the same plane, right? So that's expectation and reality. And if they're a little off. If one is a little higher than the other, my brain will work very hard to align those two. That's that's consistency theory. Assimilation or contrast kick in when the difference, the gap between expectation and reality are too great for the brain to reconcile, all right? So the the difference between expectation and reality is too great for my brain to reconcile and my, my brain can't do it it can't it can't create that consistency when that happens all right my brain has to do one of two things it either assimilates or it contrasts all right so we've got consistency theory right our brain works very hard to align expectation and reality and then when that can't happen my brain has to either assimilate or contrast okay So my question for you, fundraiser, is which do you prefer? Which would you rather the donor do? Would you rather them assimilate or would you rather them contrast? All right. (laughs) Think about that for a second and listen to this. All right. So years ago, years ago, I can't believe how many years ago, my wife and I, actually at the time, she's my fiance, right? We're engaged. We're walking down. State Street in Santa Barbara. I'm in the market for a Tux shirt. All right, I need a Tux shirt for my wedding day, and I had never in my life been in a Saks Fifth Avenue. But we're walking down State Street in Santa Barbara, and there's Saks Fifth Avenue. And Sunday afternoon, I'm in I'm in shorts and uh, flip flops, T-shirt, uh, so I don't like look like a, I guess a high powered executive or whatever that's going to drop a bunch of money at Saks Fifth Avenue. But I walk into Saks Fifth Avenue looking for a tuxedo shirt. So we walk back to the men's department and I don't immediately see any tuxedo shirts. Find a sales rep. And I say, um, Hey, uh, looking for a tuxedo shirt. You know, do, do you have any tux shirts? The sales lady says we do, but we're closing in 10 minutes. And I, I, I'm kind of like, well, all right, well, we still have 10 minutes, right? And I kind of, you know, like, could you go get him? Could I see him? Right. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll go get him. So a few minutes later, she comes back and she's got a a wrinkled tuck shirt. looks like it have been pulled out of a hamper on a wire hanger and says, you know, here, here we go. Here's, here's your tuck shirt. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, thanks. You know, appreciate it. No, Thanks. Right, and we leave. That's it. Okay, so, Saks Fifth Avenue. Right, I'd never been in a Saks before. This is a high-end retailer. Right, this is like the the cream of the crop. Right, this is supposed to be great. This is supposed to be a fantastic experience. So I I'm, I have high expectations for my first Saks Fifth Avenue experience. Right, but expectation and reality didn't line up. Right, and the difference was too great for me to reconcile. And so at that moment, my brain has to decide what to do. It will either assimilate or it will contrast. What does assimilation look like in this case? Assimilation is sort of like, well, I I don't know, like, what was I expecting? Ah, Sunday afternoon, they're about to close. Ah, you know, I came in here at board shorts and flip-flops, you know, gosh, you know, I'm just a kid, you know, I don't care. That's assimilation, right? Contrast, and this is what I did in this case, which isn't really a normal thing for me. Contrast is I actually got on the Saks Fifth Avenue website, and I sent an email to their like customer service, and it wasn't it wasn't irate, but you know it was just kind of like, eh. Based upon my experience of Saks, I just don't understand why I never come back here. All right, so I contrasted. I chose not to assimilate. Instead, I contrasted. All right. The next morning, I had an email, not from Saks Corporate. I had an email from the general manager of the Santa Barbara Saks Fifth Avenue store, the store I had been in the day before. So Sunday afternoon, I'm in this store. Sunday evening, right? I send the email. Monday morning, I have an email from the general manager of the Santa Barbara Saks Fifth Avenue and he says, Clark, I'm so sorry for the experience that you had. Tell me, what are you looking for? What kind of shirt are you hoping to find? What are the characteristics of the shirt that you want? Right? What's your size? What are your dimensions? All right. And if you tell me those things, well, here's what I want to do. I want to have, I wanna have shirts flown in to Santa Barbara from locations around the country, and we're gonna get them all assembled here. <laughs> And when we get them all assembled, I want to set up a consultation with you and our number one sales rep. And if you find a shirt that that you like, we'd like to give it to you. It's on the house. All right. So, <laughs> all right. I'm I'm like blown away. This isn't. This is amazing. Right. They totally um, win me over. Right. With their response to my contrasting. All right, now, think back to your donors. When I asked you, which would you rather do? Would you rather your donors assimilate or would you rather them contrast? What did you say? Because I think as fundraisers, we hope that they'll assimilate. Sometimes we know that perhaps a donor hasn't had the giving experience that they hope for. And we kind of just want to sweep that under the rug and hope that we can move on. But here's the thing. Donors who assimilate, donors who are underwhelmed by their experience giving to our organization, they haven't given us the chance to win them back. They haven't given us the chance to do big things, right? Like this general manager of the Saks Fifth Avenue store. I contrast, right? I contrast and it's like, whoa, the general manager can go totally over the top in his response. The reality is, is that you, you have donors on your list who you think are underperforming. They are giving $1,000 a year, you've met with them a couple of times, and you know they have the capacity to give five figures, six figures, and you look at that name on the list, and you say that's an underperforming donor. But the reality is, is that there's no such thing as underperforming donors. There are no underperforming donors. There are underperforming organizations. It's not the donor who's underperforming. It's the organization that's underperforming. All right. And if you have a donor who who you look at and think they're underperforming, you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, how have I not delivered the giving experience to my donor that they maybe have expected? And if you think that you have a donor who's assimilated, right? <laughs> like your next move in that next meeting is to talk about it. Don't hope that you're going to be able to just kind of sweep this under the rug and move on to the next meeting. I want you to tell the donor directly. I get the sense that that the experience you've had since you gave your last gift to our organization, I get the sense that it hasn't quite gone as you expected. right? And I want you to talk about it. I want you to get that out in the open. Your donors, I promise you, because I've had these conversations, they'll be so relieved all right so i'm telling you if you have a donor who ha- who has this experience expectation and reality are too far off they've got it with simulator contrast you you hope you hope that they contrast if they contrast you get a chance to correct it if they assimilate you've got to sniff that out and you've got to ask questions that allow you to talk about it with the donor but the real goal the real goal is to perform in such a way that neither of these happen, that we kill both assimilation and contrast by doing big things for our donors, serving our donors, putting systems in place to ensure that all of our donors receive a minimum acceptable level of thanks and stewardship. And then on top of that foundation, going out of our way every day in service of the donor and creating a culture at our organization that says, if I'm going to make a mistake today, it's going to be in service of the donor. All right. That's it. What does that look like? All right. Hey, I'd love to talk with you about what that looks like at your organization. So shoot me an email at Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. That's Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Major Gifts Fundraiser podcast. I wanted to take just a moment to tell you about the Major Gifts Fundraiser Masterclass and why it works. When Clark was getting started in his career, he went to some great seminars and received some amazing training as a fundraiser. His organization got a huge return on their investment because he helped them raise a lot of money. Maybe you've gone to some professional development seminars. You're in a big conference room or banquet hall for two or three days hearing lots of good ideas and lots of good content. It's all great stuff, but there's so much. The problem with a seminar like this is it's a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. At best, you go home with two to three actionable ideas. Plus, it's not really tailored towards your organization or you. There are a lot of organizations in the room, so while the theory is good, it's hard to apply it to your exact situation. The Major Gifts Fundraiser Masterclass gives you access to the very best development training, but you do it online, in your office, or in your car while you're driving. And it's broken up into individual modules that build on each other. You listen at your own pace. You stop and rewind if you need to. So rather than 24 hours of content in one blast, that hopefully you can actually absorb after a bad night's sleep in a loud hotel and a long day of travel, You listen on your own schedule. Instead of going home and trying to figure out what to do next, you get an hour of live training with Clark. No guesswork about how to apply these proven concepts. Clark will get to know you, know your organization, and your exact situation and help guide you on this journey. The final step is where the masterclass becomes extremely practical. Each module includes challenge questions, action steps, additional resources and they're all pertinent to your exact situation and the training you just received. So instead of talking about concepts, you'll actually be implementing them week by week. Module by module, you'll level up your fundraising. The masterclass gives you the confidence of knowing that you are spending your limited time doing the most important things. You'll have a system that allows you to track your development activities and report to your board or your boss using metrics instead of just dollars raised. This is an amazing program with the best training in the nonprofit development and major gifts fundraising. It's not just a program to get you thinking, but we actually get you doing, doing good development work, doing the things that matter. So to learn more about the masterclass, just go to majorgiftsfundraiser.com or email me at Monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, at majorgiftsfundraiser fundraiser.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.